Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, and hopefully one day a proletarian revolution. Um, But until we do that, uh, I am your host, Josh, and uh, it's nice to have you uh, on the show listening. Um, But just so you know, a few things up top. Um, So I am driving, so that is going to make some background noise. And secondly, I do still have a kind of gross cough. Um, So if that bothers anybody, either one of those things, I won't be, you know, too hurt if you decide to listen to something else. But if you can go get over that, uh, I think we're going to, you know, think you might like the show. But um, yeah, so thanks for stopping by. So this morning I tried to write, well, I tried to finish a blog that I have been writing called Where is the Left in the United States? Now, I know we don't need another one of these articles. I know we don't need another, like, shit-talking piece about the left because the last thing that we need right now in the left in the United States is more factionalism and separation. That's the last thing we need. So what I was writing this for was not necessarily for the sake of saying, here's what all these different groups are doing wrong. Because I even said it in the blog, I was like, I don't have some superior knowledge uh, or any ability to truly analyze the entire United States uh, struggle. I can only understand things from my own personal experiences and the experiences of others who I choose to learn about. And so I wrote this blog ultimately to talk about how do we solve these problems, which is a much more difficult question because, and this is kind of what the whole theme of the blog and this podcast are going to be is, There's a million ideas out there to solve issues like racism, to solve issues like inequality. There's even, you know, millions of ideas out there to stop climate crisis, to try to quote unquote reverse climate change as if that's how things work. We cannot reverse climate change thanks to massive corporations billionaires and other oppressive regimes, we are now all over the world beginning to see um, more than a lot of us privileged people would like uh, the natural disasters that are popping up far more frequently, staying around for far longer, um, higher, you know, strength and velocity. We are seeing all kinds of heat and different temperatures in areas which it is incredibly uncommon. There was only a few weeks ago, there was a heat bubble over the um, northwest in the United States where uh, places in Oregon, places in Washington uh, got up to 115, 120, 125 degrees 
And this is before the, the heat index was figured into that temperature. So it was even higher. Um, it was to the extent where your body could become so dehydrated in only six hours outside that you would die. Um, they're also finding, some scientists are finding places on the earth. I can't remember what it's called. But because of the moisture in the air, I believe, and because of the heat, your body cannot sweat. Your body won't sweat because of the temperature and the other conditions. And if your body can't self-regulate heat, you will die. Um, it doesn't matter if you consume water. It doesn't matter if you try to go into you know, a different area or whatever, if your body gets to that point where it's not self-regulating, where it can't sweat, you will die. Um, this is shit that we're dealing with right now. Um, and I know a lot of people don't want to reckon with that, but it's something we do have to reckon with because oppressed people everywhere, houseless people, people from the global south, these individuals don't get to turn a blind eye to these problems. These individuals have to be the front line of people who are going to experience the symptoms and the awful circumstances that will come because of the awful uh, greed, the awful just actions that have been committed by these massive corporations, one of the largest polluters being the United States military. So now, there's millions of ideas of how to correct all of these problems, right? But if we think logically, and I don't mean that in the sense, if we think, if we think how I want to think, but if we think logically, one might assume that each one of those answers is not equally as capable of actually solving the problem. There are many solutions which mitigate the symptoms of racism, like passing a voter's right law. There are many uh, uh, ideas that will perpetuate issues into the future, such as neoliberalism. We still have the same and much, much worse inequality that we did before neoliberalism, except now it's with even less safety nets, even less support systems set up to help people as they fall time and time again into abject poverty. Each one of these problems can be solved. However, it is not every idea which is equally valuable in that sense of being able to be the solution to these problems. I like to use the example that, you know, when there is a fire, one should spray at the base. We cannot compromise with these issues. We cannot look for outside symptomatic things to try to resolve. When we are looking at a problem, we have to analyze that problem in a way that allows us to find the 
root cause and crush it. When we're talking about racism, I don't believe that it's necessarily where black and brown and indigenous folks and other groups of individuals who the United States and other white supremacist places consider non-white, if those groups of people just get jobs with white people, believe it or not, that doesn't solve racism. Now, there are people who truly do not understand racism because a lot of people view racism as an idea. But racism is a systematic process of making non-white people impoverished and unequal to the white population as a whole. Now, this does not mean non-white people can't do better economically, politically, socially than white people. But it is to say that when that black person gets pulled over by a police officer, when that brown person tries to go into a store and go about their way and somebody decides to have a problem with them, that does not matter because even though they might be doing better than white people in some sense, the mass of white people still cultivate a white supremacist society and therefore these individuals who are non-white whether they are in the higher social strata or not they still have to suffer the same or similar consequences under such a white supremacist system this is itemized this is directly in the foundation of what the United States and every single colonial project was. England, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, the Dutch, Canada, the United States, Australia, most of these places, even all throughout South South America, uh, Latin America, Africa, and Asia, these racist systems exist. So when we're talking about solving the issue of racism, it can't be so easy as to put a black president or a black vice president up there. It can't be so easy as writing laws. It can't be so easy as saying, you know, we're going to teach people how not to discriminate in the workplace. We're going to teach people how not to discriminate in school. These things are not so capable as would be taking the entire system of white supremacy and eliminating its ability to survive. Taking away the power, taking away any control, taking away the force that exists within white supremacist societies. Now that sounds like a good idea, right? But ultimately we can't expect these things to be solved outside of concrete steps and actions. So this is why I say writing this blog and coming up with what to do rather than saying what is wrong um, is difficult because ultimately you can be wrong. 
ultimately, believe it or not, your idea can be incorrect. Now, that is not because I, Josh, am saying that you are incorrect. But this is the same way as if we were to be in math class and you were to say 5 plus 5 equals 15 or 5 plus 5 equals 55. If I was the teacher, if I was a student and I said that's wrong, it's actually 10. Your response should not be, see, there's Josh always hating on me. There's no freedom of speech here. There's no freedom ideas. People just want to argue that, you know, yeah, because you're wrong. And when you're wrong, if you are stupid enough to voice that, guess what? That means it's anybody else's right in that same sense that it's your right to spout off racist, homophobic, sexist shit. It's another person's right to A, argue with you, or B, in my pick scenario, beat the fuck out of you. And luckily for racists, that doesn't happen very often. It should, but it doesn't. So back to the main point. The reason why I wrote this blog or was trying to write this blog and I'm having this discussion is because it is not enough to simply have ideas. Ideas are nothing but a manifestation of your knowledge into a concrete, simplistic, or maybe non-simplistic idea that is a lot more rigid than a lot of us want to admit. You know, we don't recognize that our ideas, our beliefs come from outside of us because we we all want to believe we have free will we all want to believe we have the choice to make the decisions to believe in what we want to believe in but if you never heard of christianity if you were never taught math if you had never heard the theories of karl marx frederick engels lenin stalin mao and many others you might turn around and try to argue with people or try to make statements which are incorrect. And if you had never heard of these things, you could never believe them. But if you only heard of Christianity and your whole life you were raised within a world where Christianity is number one, you cannot believe anything else, you cannot question it, you must have faith, then you are ultimately going to have a specific worldview a specific belief and specific ideas until you begin trying to formulate your ideas by interacting with and consuming different types of knowledge. Now that could be done through a conversation, that could be done through reading a book, but ultimately, even in this way, those ideas are not yours. Those ideas were not Karl Marx's those ideas were not some mathematician they were clearly observable and analyzable which I don't think is a word they were able to be analyzed in a way which then someone could come to concrete and logical conclusions we can say that 2 plus 2 equals 4 And someone somewhere, I don't know who, because math is not my thing, can say, this is why. 
We can look at what's happening all over the world. Climate crisis coming to the fore, the contradictions heightening, people dying. And we can go to someone and they can say, this is why. And we can look at their data. We can look at their analysis. We can listen to them explain it. And we can come to the same logical conclusions as them. But these were not our ideas. These were not even necessarily these scientists' ideas. They are only ideas that come from consuming and creating certain knowledge. I don't know how I want to say this in a way that it's explanatory. Basically, you know, social consciousness is determined by social being. That's a quote from Marx. Basically, if you are a member of the ruling class, you are going to have a certain framework. You are going to have a certain perspective when looking at the world. And when it comes to issues, you are going to have certain ideas. But if you yourself are the one suffering under capitalism, you are going to have a completely different perspective. But that doesn't necessarily mean you invented these ideas. That doesn't necessarily mean you are some genius that had an idea that nobody else could have. That means ultimately you were provided with the correct opportunities and the correct knowledge put in front of you, which allowed you to deduce those uh, conclusions. But prior to what we might call materialism, idealists believed that ideas were just of some genius. To some extent, these people believed that these genius ideas floated down from the heavens and came into their mind of no you know, uh, action of their own or, or others. It just, they were, they were the chosen ones. They had the knowledge because they were born with it. But that's bullshit. We have people with a certain aptitude for knowledge. We have people who are able to learn and memorize things better than others. But this does not mean these people are geniuses. They're not coming up with these conclusions. They're not coming up with these ideas. They are learning them and they are able to explain them and understand them in ways that other people aren't. But I mean, not for nothing, if half of the workers out in the vegetable, fruit, and other kinds of fields here in the United States were given the same opportunities as all the people in academia, then they too could come to the same conclusions as them. Now, it might take them longer to study. It might take them longer to be able to understand it as clearly as another. But there is no reason why these people should be viewed as ignorant or more stupid than another if provided with the same opportunities as everyone else. Now, this kind of brings us back to our main point. How do we solve these issues in front of us? Now, I don't have the experience or the practical knowledge to tell you how we are going to solve the broad issues in the world. I don't have a step-by-step guide as to how we are going to combat racism in the future. I don't have a step-by-step guide as to how we are going to solve the inequality that exists in the world. But I can tell you that there are, again, plenty of ideas out there about how to do these things, right? And some of those are right, and some of those are wrong. And some of those that are right are only half right. Now, 
You won't know which ones those are until you go ahead and study them. Until you go ahead and learn them and try to understand them and try to logically place them in your mind and see how they would develop. Again, ultimately, this is just a play in the mind. The best way to understand ideas is to practically act on them. If you believe that one way we can solve racism is by, I don't know, having a teach-in once a week in your community where you tell people why they shouldn't be racist. Now, this seems like a great thing, you know, if you are a part of an organization, if you are in a community where you have these connections, you should be having these conversations. But ultimately, A, if you believe that is what should be done, then why are you not doing it? And secondly, the only way you are going to be able to come to a conclusion about whether or not this is the correct way to solve the problem is by doing it. If you never do it and you just play with it in your head, ultimately, there is no empirical or logical conclusion that anyone else can look at and say, this is correct. They might be able to believe you because of whatever trust they have in you, or they might be ignorant themselves so they don't know, so whatever ideas pop up, they just support blindly because they you know, might be a good-hearted person who wants to see racism ended. But if we do not practically work on our solutions and put them into practice, we will never know if they are correct. And so, when we are looking at, I mean, I can't talk about these issues necessarily. There's a lot to go out and study. Um, I myself am a learner. I told my homie on the phone yesterday, I was like, I think after this last year of strict studying, I have approximately 1.5% of an understanding of what the fuck is going on. Um, And that's just the truth, because there is so much. There is so much to learn. There is so much to know. And there is so much more to just learning something. You have to understand it. You have to understand its origins. You have to understand how it developed. You have to understand it historically. You have to understand it scientifically. You have to understand how it is that you can combat this thing. You have to understand it in its entirety. And then, like I said, from that point, You can understand something, but just because you understand the Bible, that doesn't mean what's in it is correct. The only way to see that be correct is if someone somewhere, hey, acted on it. Um, You know, for me, not not to shit on Christianity or whatever, but uh, I mean, I do have my experiences and Christianity is, you know, one of those religions which today is just founded on white supremacy and class society, so... Ultimately, I think Christianity is a bunch of bullshit, um, and I don't really care, but I'm not really trying to come for anybody's neck. We all have incorrect ideas that we once supported. I was a huge racist and transphobe when I was growing up because my social, uh, being, or my social consciousness was determined by my social being. That was the environment that was cultivated for me, and I didn't get to see another environment, so those are the ideas I had. So, whatever. Used to say to my grandma all the time, 
prove it, right? When she would talk about Christianity. You can't really prove something like that. And that's kind of a dickhead move on my part. But at the same time, I mean, any other idea, I come to my grandma talking about socialism and she wants proof. Because she has all this proof in her head about why communism has killed 300 million trillion people. So, these issues I cannot solve. I'm learning about them. We have to work together to try to solve them. But one issue that I believe I can put a voice to and we can have, you know, the beginning of a discussion here is kind of what I was trying to put out in my blog, which is we are split into factions. We have no power. We do not have the support of the masses. Our ideology is not supported by the majority of people in the area we are trying to bring that ideology to. And we have no one leading us to correct these issues. We are split into factions, ultimately, because we all stem from different conclusions about how to solve these problems. This does not mean we should just all agree on something. This is not some stupid left unity talk. There are reasons why Trotskyists and Leninists don't get along and don't agree with one another. Because they come to completely different conclusions about how to solve the problem. So now, what left unity would be, would be one of those groups just caving and going, sure, I'll go with you. That's what it would sum up to be. Somebody somewhere is going to have to be the correct group and going to have to be leading each other. Otherwise, we just got a million different groups of people arguing with one another, never able to come to a conclusion or take action anywhere. We have no power because we do not have a guiding force. Marxism within the United States has been so completely, disgustingly miseducated about. Communism and socialism has, have been miseducated about. And the reason why this is important is the same reason why folks like Lenin and Trotsky disagree is the same reason why folks like Marx, Engels, and Bakunin, Kropotkin, and Perdon all disagree. The reason is because ultimately, again, somebody is right. And that somebody who is right has to be in charge. Now, anarchists don't like this idea of being in charge. Anarchists don't like this idea of hierarchy. And I think we can all understand why. Our examples of hierarchy and our examples of power in the reality that we live in, within the capitalist and imperialist uh, epoch that we exist in, power and hierarchy are constantly bad things. However, when we are trying to build a new society, we should not view things from within or from the same perspective as we have within this society because ultimately we will come to half right answers we will compromise on things because ultimately again our social consciousness is determined by our social being so we have to learn things 
that are not a part of our social being. We have to learn about history. We have to learn about the successes, the failures, and ultimately the progression of many, many, many attempts at socialist countries, at socialist revolutions, at socialist organizations. We have to look at all these examples and say, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, and this didn't work. So what does that leave us with? Anarchists have never been able to wage a successful revolution that has been able to install any sort of defense or power in order to contain and keep that system intact. It is always run over, it is always reset, and it is always because anarchists have incorrect ideas. Now, does this mean that every single anarchist is just an asshole? No! And we should have discussions like this with our anarchist homies. And even if it turns into an argument, so what? Fucking hit the person up the next day and be like, my bad, didn't mean to get that heated. And next time, don't. Because ultimately, we have to have these discussions. We have no leaders. Anarchists don't like that, but if we don't have leaders, we're not progressing forward. Look at us. We are in the same place here in the global north that we were in in the early 2000s. We are in the same place that we were in in the 90s. We are in the same place we were in in the 80s and the 70s because we do not believe in the theories of organization. And if we do in the same way that we believe in communism or socialism yet don't do a goddamn thing to create it, we believe in this uh, idea of progressing the struggle without ever doing anything to progress the struggle. If our actions are not actively combating the reality that we live in, then we are not doing anything to advance the struggle. Sure, going out and protesting is incredibly important. When connected to a long and existing struggle, where the protests are to A, remind the people in charge of how many fucking people you have and what level of power and force you are working with, but also to reinvigorate the people who you are trying to help organize. But just having a random protest to be like, oh, we did a protest, it's not advancing the struggle. It doesn't change anything. And ultimately, as Kwame Ture says, we love doing that shit because then we can stand up and sit right back down until we decide we want to stand up again. But an organization is always standing up. An organization is always resisting because it is founded on resistance. It is founded if it is a proper Marxist or communist party or organization. It is founded on true principles of anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, and anti-class society. And there are ideas out there. There's a lot of ideas out there about how to take those ideas into the real world and therein create the society we want to see. 
Some of those ideas are correct. Some of those ideas are incorrect. Some of those ideas are only half correct. But we will never know until we start acting on it. But how do we act on these things spontaneously? How do we act on these things in an unorganized fashion? It's impossible. We will do this and we will keep trying to do this and we will keep failing time and time again because ultimately we here in America, we here in the West, believe that as long as we think something, it is equally as valid as any other correct idea. Because our opinion, we have the right to have an opinion. We have a right to share that opinion. And yet, we do not have the right as the person who's hearing these bullshit opinions to be like, no, that's wrong. Because then we are seen as trying to shut down someone's freedom of speech. And this is where the individualism comes in. Because right here we see a big reason as to why anarchists might not like organizations or hierarchy. Because in this situation, they can be told what to do. Now, we know how much most of us hate being told what to do. But in a situation where you can be wrong because of your own taught ignorance, in a situation such as revolution, where incorrect ideas can lead to the death of people, we have to recognize that there is a need for leadership for the sole purpose that A, we have to have people making right decisions, correct decisions, not because they themselves have some random genius, but because they have been able to take the time to study and learn and come to correct conclusions about issues that we are facing. So one thing that we also do really incorrect and that we need to work on is we do not really understand how something like that is to work. There was a lot of inter-party struggle in the Soviet Union, in China, everywhere that there has been a socialist revolution, everywhere there has been a national liberation movement, there has been what we might call uh, inter-party or comradely struggle. Um, Now, like I was saying earlier, we got to have these discussions because ultimately a lot of us are working with only half the amount of knowledge that other people are. So if we don't have these conversations, we think we're correct because we only are working with half an understanding. So we don't really know how to talk with one another and disagree with one another. Um, That's not to say we should just pussyfoot around each other and, you know, not actually struggle. We have to do things that are going to suck. Um, We have to disagree with people, argue with people, fight with people who we once, you know, maybe were close with. This is not, again, um, in, in a way that an anarchist might want to see this. This is not commandist, because ultimately our beliefs, our ideas should be founded on the principle 
of ending the suffering for the oppressed masses. So surely there are people who all throughout history have proposed that they are working for the betterment of the oppressed masses and yet have not. So again, we as communists cannot just simply shit on anarchists and be like, you know, you're incorrect, da-da-da-da, you're a bunch of fucking stupid assholes. Like, no, there's reasons, there's examples as to why some people might have their hesitancies towards these ideas. But you have to frame it in your head in a different way than we are used to, because this is within a different context than a capitalist system. This is within a different context than a imperialist system, or it should be. And if it isn't, then there needs to be some inner party struggle. But if you are not a part of that party, if you are not capable of correcting those issues, if you are sitting behind a computer telling someone about why China is this or why Syria is that or why Pedro Castillo is not good enough, um, you yourself don't really have any right to speak because, you know, in that way, you, you can't do anything about it. So ultimately, you're just talking to have an ego or to be correct. And we're not geniuses here. We are learners and we are, we are people of the masses. So our ideas should come from places of struggle. Our ideas should come from the people in a lot of ways. And we should be able to take those ideas, morph them with our Marxism, uh, allow ourselves to take in new information and use a foundational base of ideology to be able to use this new information and come to new conclusions. However, this does not, this isn't going to happen without an organization. I mean, we can't end capitalism as individuals. We cannot expect that if each of us stands up at once and, and tries to do something, that we're not just going to get shot dead or arrested, or fired and lose our homes, not be able to eat. We have to understand that where we are at, it's not, it's not a video game. It's not, you can't be incorrect and respawn. You can't go back to the last checkpoint and try again. So that means that we each should be working to, you know, in a way where when we come to a point where we have to make decisions, we are going to make the correct decision, not based off of what we think is correct, but based off of what is actually empirically true. This is very difficult alone. You can only read so much. You can only watch so many YouTube videos. You can only consume so much knowledge before it's just basically bouncing around in there without any kind of conclusive uh, kind of foundation or any kind of conclusive structuring of those ideas. They're just ideas bouncing around in that dome of yours. And now a lot of us are smart. We can use those ideas and come to conclusions. We can use those ideas and try to figure them out ourselves. But how do we do that? 
We do it by talking to people. We do it by watching secondary sources. And this is good, but it would be so much better if it was within a context where there is a group of people who is doing this. They are doing it together, and they are doing it together with a purpose to overthrow capitalism and install socialism. So a lot of our problems on the left is that I think a lot of us live in fairy tale land. Um, think of revolution as something that comes from a book, uh, not from the barrel of a gun. We don't really think Marxism is worthwhile because we are anti-communist to the bone. Because instead of being true uh kind of anti-imperialist and anti-capitalist, we only believe the things that support our ideas. So then when we want to actually oppose capitalism, when we actually want to impose imperialism, well, then we have our own ideas, which are bouncing around and far more important than empirical evidence and far more important than a reality that exists. So then we come to incorrect conclusions on how to solve these issues. But yeah, so like, we are without power for these reasons because we can't get down and do anything in a strategical manner. We can't do anything with a proper analysis of the class structure. We can't do anything organized because a majority of us in the United States are anti-organization or hierarchy. Those of us who are not, for a lot of different reasons, are somewhat anti-communist to the bone. We won't believe certain Marxist principles because they do not support the beliefs which we had prior to hearing those ideas. We are not willing to be incorrect. We are not willing to learn from our mistakes because we are taught that a mistake is not possible. Because, hey, right here on this test, it says letter C is correct. It says Thomas Jefferson was not a racist. And we're telling you this. What do you mean? You, you can't be incorrect. We're telling you Thomas Jefferson was ra- wasn't racist. That's the American school system. That's how they teach us. They teach us to believe what they say. They teach us to support what they say because they are the ones in power. They are the ones who are structuring our social being. We live within a class society where there is a group in power and there is a group who is powerless. And guess what camp we fall into, folks? If you're listening to this podcast, if we're having these discussions, it's because we are not in power. We do not have the control that we need as socialists, anarchists, and communists to begin combating the problems which we are facing. And now that leads us to be sitting behind computers, listening to any YouTube video we can, reading any book we can, thinking that we ourselves are going to come to some magical conclusion about how to change these problems. No, that's not how any of this works. 
The American Revolution would not have worked if the entire group of people who fought the British were not organized on the line that we are going to defeat the British. If they were just thinking like, hey, but what if things were different? And they just sat around in a bunch of pubs and, you know, sat around owning slaves and just going, gee, I, I, you know what? I think this would be a good idea. And then never fucking doing anything, you wouldn't have the United States, which wouldn't be such a bad thing. But you got to figure that's not how history progressed. The reason why things are different is because they got organized. They knew what their plan was. They looked at the situation and they came to correct conclusions to some extent in the sense that those ideas were correct enough to put them in power, not the group before them. That doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't need to explain this. They're not correct because their ideas are correct because I believe in what the American Revolution was fought for. They are correct because they won. Um, and then they get to turn around and tell us why they were correct for doing so, why everybody who took part in it was actually a hero. They get to tell us that, and then what is actually incorrect is if we disagree with it, not what is actually empirically true. And that forms a mindset that we have today, which makes us believe that the most important thing that we need to do is make sure everybody's opinion is heard. If you are in a proper organization, everybody's opinion might be able to be heard, but everybody's opinion is not the party line, is not the actions which you are going to take, is not the strategies and tactics which have been presented to you. You can have a party where everybody's opinion is shared, but then after that, the struggle has to be, okay, what out of people's ideas is correct and what are we going to do that will succeed? The last thing that I think is wrong with the left in the United States, and then we'll talk about some quick solutions here. We exist within a very privileged world. We do not care about people in a way that we should. We do not see our struggles as connected to one another's struggles. And so we don't really see ourselves as a part of the proletariat. We, are, we see ourselves as organizers of the proletariat and to some extent, that makes us view ourselves as higher or above the proletariat. Nothing that we as communists, anarchists, or socialists do, again, can be based on our own wants or ideas. If you yourself are not homeless, you might have incorrect ideas on A, how to help a homeless person, and B, how to end homelessness. If you are not anti-capitalist, you're going to have a hard time fighting the, the issues that we're facing today. So, we have a genuine disconnect from the masses. Now, the masses or the people is a broad word. Mao defines in his, uh, on the correct handling of the contradictions among the people, 
he shows us two examples of how the people can vacillate. So in the period of time of the anti-imperialist struggle against Japan, the people were anyone who was united in the struggle against feudalist Japan. However, when Mao was giving the speech in 1957, in their period of socialist um, uh, construction, the masses were anyone who was participating in the construction of socialism. Now, this shows us that the people today are people that are different than the people once were. So if those of us reading um, the people's history of the United States think that we got to start joining unions <laughs> and we got to start pushing the union struggle forward, well, you don't understand that the unions were one of the largest at one point supporters and perpetuators of white supremacy. And they were not the people. However, they were the working class. They were members of the working class. They were not the people who were suffering the most. If you as a white working class person felt that you know your inability to get paid a living wage, your inability to get uh, any time to sleep and take care of yourself, your inability to, you know, kind of live in any kind of safe and, uh, I don't know, decent way, then imagine how much more the suffering of black folks in that position was. Think about how much worse the situation of indigenous people, of indigenous women, of indigenous two-spirits was. Because if white men were suffering and getting organized to be able to work towards better wages, then although, you know, we can look at our history, uh, the people's history of the United States with some kind of like um, pride in what the labor struggle was able to do, ultimately it was only a success for those who could get jobs. That wasn't the people. Most people, a majority of women and non-white people, could not get paying wage jobs. And if they could, it's not like the successes that were won for the white people were shared with them. They now became the oppressed person who was dealing with the issues that the white men just stopped having to deal with. So this shows us that in a lot of cases, the people can change. The people can be different, and so can their needs. At one point, where we are now in the struggle, the people's needs might be homes, affordable housing. However, if we are able to somehow accomplish that, that does not now mean that we won. We're done. We don't got to do anything. No, now the people are different and their needs are different. And we have to work on getting good at that. Because what we see right now is the people, in my opinion, would be those who are anti-capitalist, whether unconsciously or not. Um, I think that the people are the revolutionary masses, the people who are oppressed themselves, because these are the groups of people who see capitalism in its barest and truest form. 
These are the people who see really where the oppression is coming from. They don't get confused. They know who is doing their oppression. So when we want to get down and organize the people, if we don't know who the people are, if we don't know what the people's needs are, we can't help the people. And now that's talking who the people are. Who's we? Because we don't even have a strict organization which is sending delegates, which is coming to uh, analytical conclusions, which is struggling within the party to come to correct ideas. We just have a bunch of random assholes who read different Marxist, socialist, anarchist, whatever books, watched some YouTube videos, and now we think we know what the fuck we're talking about. We might know what the fuck we're talking about, but we're not doing anything about it. And if we tried, we're not going to succeed because we don't have a successful and powerful organization uh, that is able to appease the masses, that is able to uh, show the people that they are there to actually help the people, not just in words, but to actually change the material conditions for the masses. That's how we struggle. We don't struggle by posting on Facebook that, you know, cops are bad and we need to defund the police. We need to get down with the people who are suffering from police brutality and oppression and ask them what it is that they really need to see done. Then we need to, again, have a strong uh, mass-supported organization which can then use Marxism as a tool to analyze the situation, analyze what the people's interests are, and analyze how, given all of this information, they can change the social circumstances for the people. They then take those ideas and bring them to the people. And from this point on, it is up to not only the party, not only what we might call the vanguard, but the people being the vanguard themselves. It is up to the masses who are suffering to be able to participate in ending their own oppression. We need to stand with and support and fight alongside and for the people. But we are not above the people. We are only heightening their consciousness. We are only bringing ideas which we understand to a place where they can understand them. We are only bringing our opportunities that we have had in order to learn these circ- these uh, ideas and presenting the people with their own opportunities to learn them. This does not mean that we are geniuses and the people are stupid. This does not mean we are not ignorant ourselves while believing these things. We can be wrong on things. We can be wrong on many things and still be participating in the party out of just general thought that, well, this is probably more correct than what else is available, but I don't really like what they're doing. And just being a uh, almost a double agent in sorts. Because if you have people working within your party who are anti-communist, who are anti-violent revolution, if you're working alongside people who are racist, who are homophobic, then that needs to change. But, yo, I got to end this because there's literally people parked fucking at the drive-thru waiting for me to 
come and help them. So if you're still listening to this, I appreciate you. My ultimate conclusion is just the fact that we need to actually begin helping people and getting out and doing shit. And we need to do it in an organized fashion so it's not a bunch of people just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. We need to know what we're doing. We need to know what we're, uh, where we're doing it. We need to know how we're going to do it. We need to know when we're going to do it. And we need to know who we're going to do it for, who we're going to do it with, and what, at the end of the day, needs to be done, needs to be done. We cannot have compromises. We cannot look at anything from within the capitalist uh, morality which we have today. We have to change the social circumstances and the material conditions for ourselves and for the people. That is the only way that we can advance the struggle and that can only be done with true, properly formed Marxist organization. Um, You can disagree with me, but I think history is on my side. So thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay revolutionary. And until next time. All right. Bye, y'all. Much love.